You are listening to the To and Out CFL Podcast, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. Grab some poutine and a double-double. It's time for the To and Out CFL Podcast. He's got it! Oh, baby! Every week, Travis Kura. That's great company, which is a different person. And Brazilian Tide. Hunters are people, too. Talk fantasy football, bring you the latest in CFL news, and sprinkle in a little bit of nonsense. Oh, nearly intercepted it is! And it's over! Ready, set, hunt! Thanks for pressing play on this episode of the Two It Out CFL podcast. It's Travis Kura, it's Sheldon Jones, and it is... Great Cup week. I am live from the Hammer, Hamilton, Ontario, on two and a half hours of sleep. <laughs> I've had a long travel day, but I have Chinese food waiting for me to devour, and I'm ready to talk about Great Cup week. I know you've got some FOMO going on right now, Sheldon. I do. I am live from my basement and not Hamilton. <laughs> but... It is what it is. It, it doesn't help that the, the Rough Riders had to just have a really positive news story uh, at the beginning of Grey Cup week. Shocker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Nick Marshall, hey, he got charged. Was it gun possession charges in uh, Georgia? And the Rough Riders have already released him. Man, uh, this might be the end of his career in the CFL. Uh, we'll see what happens with that, man. That is, that's tough. I, he's got a new kid that, uh, just got welcomed into the world, you know, in the last year or so. Uh, I hope this gets figured out. I hope he's on the right path, but, uh, it's great cup week. So let, let's talk about some of the other stuff going on. The state of the league address, normally they do the media one and then the fan one back-to-back, but this year, the media one went down on Tuesday, and the the fan one is going to happen Friday morning. So let's talk about some of the stuff that uh, went down at the State of the League address. It's been one of those years where most things were pretty positive with uh, the CFL, including, I guess, ratings for the division finals, Sheldon. I can be a grumpy old curmudgeon about it, but it does appear that the playoffs on Saturdays are here to stay. Uh, It was a success in the stands, obviously. Toronto and Winnipeg, both fan bases, brought the heat in the division finals, and uh, (laughs) they were watched well on TV as well. So it seems to be... There's just a lot of good news surrounding the CFL right now. How do we keep it going? That's the big question, right? Yeah, uh, everything seems to be trending up. Uh, So hopefully they can continue that. I know uh, we're going to talk about something that might not be so great for the league and the players a little bit later. But um, I think that it's it's very good news. It kind of feels like the CFL is back to where it was kind of pre-COVID because I think right yeah. before COVID, things were looking up too, right? Uh, so I think we kind of weathered that storm. I think now we we just hopefully that MLSE, I think, can see what they were able to do and attract those fans to MLS or to, to BMO. So hopefully they can 
build on that and 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 get a base of you know at least twenty thousand season ticket holders that'd be the dream obviously but um just show those people in toronto and the gta that there's exciting football to be had there's a lot of talk about <laughs> the the stats still and it was yeah. brought up at the state of the league address you know at this point i i kind of wonder if it's even going to be ready for next year <laughs> and, and that's one of the things where sometimes all of this positive news it it just could be even better. And I, I think that's the common thread with every fan of the CFL. They want it to be as good as can be. And we got to stay out of our way sometimes when it comes to the stats things. And I don't know. To me, it seems like they're not shy with admitting that, yeah, the ball was fumbled here at the goal line. There was a too many men penalty on a missed kick. <laughs> For yeah, the Buffalo Rough Riders. Uh, <laughs> Can you imagine if you were cheering for both of those teams? <laughs> oh, yeah, there's got to be a crossover of uh, fans there somewhere. And yeah. uh, they're not. <laughs> they're having we're, a rough week. We're here for you, man. We're here for you. <laughs> that's rough. Uh, and that's just one of the things where. Stay out of our way, <laughs> you know, your own way. Uh, make things as good as they can be. And that's one of them. I, I truly believe that, hey, we got a good product. It's just uh, everything surrounding it. Let's let's not drop any more balls like this one. And uh, next year, if everything's up and running and as good as they tell us it can be and will be, then uh, things are, I think, going well for the CFL right now. I know you're interested in this one, Sheldon. It does appear that the ops cap probably staying in place. Um, I'm fine with it staying in place. They just need to figure out the penalties portion of it because Mm -hmm. I agree with exactly what Randy said that the, the players, the players were getting upset seeing the level of pay that the coaches were getting as opposed to the level of pay that they were getting. So I understand that there needs to be a cap there. And uh, I also understand that you need to, you have to rein in teams from, you know, hiring a guy for four years, firing him that first year, being on the hook for those four years. So you have to, you have to find a way to penalize that team, but you can't hinder that team from fielding a team and fielding, the 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 proper coaches to be able to coach. So um I know I've I've put this on X and Reddit and yeah I, I'm kind of just just thinking of it here, but I have a solution and it involves draft picks. Okay. Head coaches or presidents probably worth the most amount of draft picks, I would say. If you fire a head coach or pre- I mean a GM or or a president with with time left on your deal, first round draft pick you lose for however many years. Let's say you got three years left. You use, you lose the next three first round draft picks. That's a pretty hefty penalty. Yet you still have money to be able to hire a new coach, hire a new president, GM, whatever. So I'm still kind of figuring it out. But I think I think Randy needs to give me a call. We'll we'll sit down over some Timmies, and uh, we'll we'll hammer this out. All I ask for is a nice new CFL hat to fit this chrome dome of mine. 
That's not Chrome, actually. We need some custom-made. Yeah, look at that. We need some custom-made. Uh, um, <laughs> my my wife making a cameo in the background. That's got me laughing. We need some <laughs> custom-made <laughs> size eight and a quarters. Or what do you think? Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, <laughs> maybe we'll just have to do it ourselves. Um, <laughs> so there's one other thing that I did want to, I, I wanted to go back to what you said about the stats for a second. Oh, yeah. Because okay. um, I, I don't know if you saw it, but I saw it. They played a video with mm. like all the stuff that these smart balls, all the information oh, that the smart right. balls are showing, right? And so who knows if that's actually what it's going to look like or if they just made that and that's what it's supposed to look like. But to me, I thought that was really cool when it was showing the velocity of the, of the speed coming I out of Jack Kelly's hand and you know, how, like how many times it tur- it spins and stuff like that's cool. That's, that's I another way is. to, to engage, you know, younger people into, into seeing it and also betters. Cause you can, you can definitely use that, that, that information for betting. So I, 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 I echo everyone's state sentiments with uh, being upset about the stats this year, but I think this is just a, a a pretty deep valley before we get a nice hill, a nice mountain worth of good stuff out of this. Hopefully, for ten percent of the league, it better be. Let's let's be honest. Yeah, that I I actually do think that stuff's pretty cool. Uh, mm-hmm. We could see how fast you know. Super Mario Alfred or James Fletcher Jr. Janarian Grant are just rocketing down the field on a uh, return because yeah. uh, I mean the I assume the ball's in their arms. You'll know how yeah. fast it's going when they're running. Oh, yeah. So I, I don't know. I, I think that actually does present some pretty cool opportunities. And you know, we kind of thought that the players union at the CFL had entered into this long term bargaining agreement, but they're at a bit of a <laughs> Uh, having a disagreement right now about the numbers and the revenue uh, from last season, because it'll, it'll set the baseline for revenue sharing the, the, uh, the players are supposed to be getting 25% of this stuff. Now, a lot of this stuff is a little bit over my head, uh, the numbers, all that kind of stuff. Eh, it probably makes your, your eyelids get a little bit heavy when you talk about that stuff, but uh, still kind of concerning. That uh, <laughs> and I guess yep. that's business. Not not everybody's uh, playing fair all the time. Everybody wants to keep the the most amount of money in their pockets as possible, right? Yeah, I I get it. Um, I think that it's it's interesting because like I kind of thought that this whole revenue sharing model that they were going to be doing was going to be tied to the to the salary cap, but it doesn't look like it is. So, um. Like, I don't know, like, are the players just expecting to get a lump sum from the CFL and then to divvy it out to all their players? Like, that's that's interesting, I guess. That's an incentive for them. But I, I just assumed, you know, twenty if the, if the league revenue was $100 million, then the salary cap would be $25 million kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, like, I get what but, you're saying, yeah. But it just uh, it's interesting. I, I hope that they can just be a just just be transparent. Like you have a seven year deal, I think, is what they yeah. did. Yeah, the long so one. so you have you you guys showed the fans that you wanted to have a nice long partnership so that we don't have to worry about this uncertainty. Don't have uncertainty with yourselves. Just be transparent. Share the purse and, and get a bigger purse. Let's go. 
I like it. I like it. Now, before we talk about the 110th Grey Cup happening on Sunday, uh, the U Sports this weekend, and it is kind of, it does suck. I, I did like it when the game was the same weekend, and I I would like it in the same city, but I also realize that there are lots of U Sports markets that don't have CFL teams, and they should have an opportunity to host the the Vanier Cup once yeah. in a while, but I and I keep thinking about this, like just the way the landscape is across the country. I think once the Grey Cup happens, I would like to think that people pay attention to the Vanier Cup and Canadian University football, but I think the interest kind of fades after after the Grey Cup. So, and I think this problem will actually, I guess, worsen or deepen if the Grey Cup moves up to earlier in November or October, like some people call for, because the universities can't change their schedules. (laughs) So the the Vanier is going to stay where it is, no matter where the Grey Cup is. And I know that's kind of just wishful thinking. I would like to have them aligned that way. But the the UTEC Bowl this weekend will be Montreal and Western. And then the Mitchell Bowl will be uh, UBC Thunderbirds against the St. FX X-Men, which is a, a pretty interesting uh i think matchup that one uh, that's one we don't get to see all the time yeah i'm not allowed to like them because they were the the rival of my mother's university so. oh so it runs deep yeah so anywho i thought oh. you were gonna say because you're a marvel guy <laughs> no no i ironically enough or i wait. did start watching it... x-men the first x-men today so are that's... x-men marvel yeah, yeah, oh, you yeah. got it right. Good yeah, work. You You're a DC guy. That's what I meant. I am I, not a DC guy. On DC the plane, stokes. I watched The Flash on the way. How bad was it? I, I was entertained. I was on a plane. I didn't pay anything for it. Well, that's good. I was thoroughly entertained. So, I mean, that's all I wanted. And it kept me awake for the flight. Uh, by so the way, I, the guy next to me, his 27th gray cup he's 35 years old <laughs> wow props to that guy i Must think he had some wealthy he actually would have he actually would have missed he missed a couple i think because uh he wasn't the best student in middle school so his dad didn't let him go for a couple years but now wow. he's back going 27 gray cups at that age i don't know he might be uh one of those guys you know in 40 years that yeah i love it the dedication to the league the fans you meet at the gray cup all across canada he's with a group of 39 (laughs) wow how do you organize that yeah that's a logistical nightmare (laughs) It but absolutely is. I can barely amazing. keep track of myself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The sold out 110th Grey Cup at Tim Hortons Field, officiated by Tim Croker. The first time we'll ever see a Montreal club take on a Winnipeg club 
in the 110th edition of the game. I, I think that's remarkable. The fact that that's never happened, I, I still think that's so cool in the grand history of this game. There is an American team on the Grey Cup before this matchup ever happened. <laughs> yeah, um being wrestling fans, I know we always go for those first time ever matches yeah. that they have, right? So this uh this definitely lends into that and uh it, it I know Winnipeg was in the East for a long time, so it, mm-hmm. it kind of that kind of adds to it and you know Montreal went away, but um it's it's very cool that this is happening. Uh I'm I'm quite sad though that uh we won't have Andre Pru at all. That's, I know. Like I I assume it's because he's from Montreal and Montreal's in the Grey Cup and they have some sort of system to protect even the face of that. I would assume anyway cuz I know uh my boss's brother used to be an official in the league and he said that when the Riders went to the Grey Cup he wasn't allowed to 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 officiate it so uh interesting so i assume that's still the rule so it's sad because you know in our group chat it's always a race he's got a cult following andre (laughs) he's got a cult following and like at least among us and yeah our group chat anytime andre's refing a game it's like you see tozawa on the screen or something (laughs) but uh (laughs) And Andre does not get the love he deserves from the from the mainstream fans, and so it's. I think we we have to be a little bit. We have to love Andre a little bit extra for for that. I don't know. Could we start a fan club somehow? I. What's his number on the jersey? I'd have to figure that out. Thirty three. It would have to be thirty three, <laughs> of course. <laughs> I, I, I would it. love. I would love to get. You know. Uh, XL jersey with uh, <laughs> with Prue on the back and thirty three on there. Let's let's go again, Randy. We need to talk, okay? Because <laughs> refs get have nice CFL hats, so I know you have them somewhere. Let's, I can't wait for chat. the annual check in with uh, the commish next year on two and out, and uh, yeah, yeah, we'll I'm bring this up one. and see what happens. <laughs> Zach Kalaris will be the first ever quarterback in the CFL to start four consecutive great cups. Mike O'Shea uh, coaching his fourth consecutive great cup. <laughs> There's this stat here from the CFL. So Zach's, I guess, yes and no, that he uh, is the quarterback in four consecutive games. But back in the late 30s and early 40s, Ottawa was led to the Grey Cup by Orville Burke. What a name, by the way. So three years in a row, but the 1940 Grey Cup was revised to a two-game total points affair between Ottawa and Bombay Beach because there was a rules dispute disqualifying Winnipeg. So since the 1940 Grey Cup was two games and Burke started both, that makes it four games. <laughs> I am fascinated by football from that era. Can you imagine now, like the Bombers? I don't know. Uh, I I don't want to go against the dribble kick, so we're not playing this game. <laughs> okay, rematch of the Eastern Final for the Great Cup. I feel like that's what they would do in the 30s. 
Yeah, it's it's interesting that a- Andrew Harris grew up in Winnipeg, right? Yeah. So he probably knew his history. He it, he saw that they were cheaters back in the day, <laughs> and then he decided, hey, it's just the Winnipeg way. <laughs> wow, bringing the heat, showing your true colors. I still remember the second two and out live show in Calgary, 2019, when the Bombers ended the streak. I had the big heel turn and I took off the two and out shirt, Canadian mafia t-shirt all in on the blue. And look, (laughs) there's a lot of hate for the bombers. Now there there is from fans across Canada. I think especially Western fans just sick of the bombers, Eastern fans. I think they're fine if the Alouettes lose and don't really care. Uh, but I'm jealous of the Bombers. I think fans across the CFL are jealous of the Bombers and the success and everything that they've yeah. achieved since 2019. Is three out of four years, if they win on Sunday, is that a dynasty? I think it is. I know friend of the show Safamod from the Pivotals podcast he said it's not because they haven't won them consecutively but uh, you're going four years in a row if you win three out of four that's a dynasty in my books uh, but the thing I'm going to say about Winnipeg and, and the fans hating them welcome to the club that's what happened to riders the riders happened they, to Calgary it happened to Calgary it happened to Montreal back in the day like that's what happens if you have sustained success in a league that only has yeah. eight or nine teams. So it's fine. It'll fizzle out eventually. I know there's a team I don't want to say this too loudly. There's a team that used to call themselves a city of champions and they're far from that now. Right. So <laughs> um, listen, yeah. Like, people used to hate them too. Yeah. 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 So, so it, I, I, if you're a team, you want to be, you want to be hated like that, mm-hmm. that, that feels into, that feels into your persona. And I don't judge you for wearing a Canadian mafia t-shirt. That's the one thing that the bombers had. That was I awesome. had to have the Canadian, that shirt. Yeah. The Canadian mafia was, it's pretty cool. They, they might be whacking one of them pretty quickly here, <laughs> it seems, but. Uh, He'll be swimming with the fishes. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's what we're thinking here, well, right? Uh, so, okay, modern day, it's really hard to win consistently like that often. I don't care what league it is. I think probably the best example we probably have is Tom Brady, right? And the winning that he and Belichick did in the NFL is remarkable as much as we don't want to celebrate his success i certainly don't um <laughs> no no there's no cena love for for tom yet no you gotta no, wait a little longer no i i think that's what's gonna happen to tom i think that's what's gonna happen drunk tom at the buccaneers parade i i was a fan of that yeah <laughs> i think but, but no, i i think the job that they've done to keep the core intact, everything. Yeah. But it all falls apart eventually. I'm not saying that it's going to happen next year or after this game, but 
with great success comes and look the players yeah they want to stay in that culture they want to get raises but then there's also the off the field stuff too the guys that have experienced that success moved up the coaching ladder and eventually wanting to become gms or whatever it is so o'shea's got two more years on his contract miller and walters they're both up at the end of December. I don't know. Is this a distraction? I don't think it's a distraction going into I thought the, Miller, the Bombers. I thought Miller was under contract for the same. Is he not? Oh, oh, maybe, maybe I'm mistaken and maybe I'm thinking of somebody else. Because I, 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 I thought that it was, it was O'Shea and Miller and yeah, they signed this, they signed extension at the same time, but Walters didn't because Walters, they couldn't come to an agreement, and he, then he said he didn't want to negotiate until after the season was done. Okay. If I okay. if I believe if I'm recalling correctly, um, the thing about that it's even harder when you have one year contracts in the CFL. You, yeah. a lot of the other places, the norm is you know in the NFL you're seeing players sign seven eight year contracts now. Mm-hmm. Um, but like the Patriots and like Tom Brady, the Bomber players were taking pay cuts so that they could stay together so that that you're right that can't last forever eventually players are yeah. like hey okay i need to look after myself i only got a couple years left like the players like willie jefferson you know he's taken very team-friendly deals but it's probably time that that man gets paid mm-hmm. and zach he took he's at six hundred thousand, i think for next year so and and some of that's got to be guaranteed because he's been on the team for long enough for that guarantee to kick in. So uh, Winnipeg fans, I think you have to hope that you win it this year because I, th- I do think that decline does start. I'm not saying you're not going to make the playoffs. I'm not saying any of that stuff. I just, this dynasty, if we're calling it that, I think it's it's not over, but it it's there's, there's less days ahead than there were uh, before, if that makes sense. So I think what I'm seeing is that the assistant general managers, Ted Jovia and uh, Danny yeah. McManus, aren't under contract for next season. So yes, yes. I guess the three guys doing a lot of the legwork at GM aren't under contract at the moment. Uh, we'll see what and happens after this year. But it could be He's Stanley. been a hell of a GM. He has, he has been, been a hell of yeah. a GM. Yeah. So uh, we I don't really want to get into the stuff, but there – there has to be a reason yeah. when you're that good of a GM and what you've built for you not to sign. And, and if it, it I think it's more than money. Yeah. That's all I'm going to say. There's been so, a lot of rumors. I don't know if this is the place to no. get into that, but uh, I don't know, maybe O'Shea moves up. Who knows what happens with the bombers, but uh, yeah. I mean, this could be Stanley Bryant's last game. Um. I think he's kind of been on that year to year trajectory for a little bit. Um, And then once, you know, the big man at left tackle steps back, it's a crucial position and him combined with Jamarcus Hardrick, it has been a really, maybe this is stuff we talk about on Sunday, you know, after the game, but there could be some changes with this team going forward, but we know how the bombers are. They they show up for the big game. They they're cool under pressure. They're good for all of this, and I don't think that they will let this worry them 
at all, but we do need to talk about the injury reports uh, that were released. Dalton Schoen has been out for several weeks, still not practicing. They haven't technically ruled him out yet, but man, that that's rough. And I don't know, just the way the Alouettes defense has been playing, <laughs> this just seems like an opportunity for that defense to keep rolling. I know they still have Kenny the King and Dembski and Walatarski and Oliveira and all this great stuff. But Dalton Schoen does leave a big hole in any offense. Just look at the touchdown numbers over the last two seasons. Yeah, I'm starting to doubt that he'll be out there on Sunday. Now, <laughs> that statement will probably age poorly, but it has to be a concern for the team either way. Well, I think it's tough. Like when you've been out as long as he has, it's been at least six weeks. Yeah. Coming back, like sometimes there's rust and I don't know if you want to risk that rust in the championship game. So it's, it's rolling the dice. Uh, I know that we saw Kenny Lawler come back after his absence dealing with his visa issues. And he, he didn't have rust. He, he contributed right away, but um, I think like Dembski wasn't practicing either, but his ankle looked fine. Yeah, whatever, whatever they shot it with seemed to do the trick. So I'm assuming they're going to do the same thing. Like Wes Cates won a great cup with a broken freaking foot. So I'm pretty sure Dembski's going to play. Uh, I don't think big Hill's going to play. And that's, that's another, tough. Huge, that's another <sighs> huge loss. They listed because... that as a calf injury, by the way. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know if you're wearing a walking boot if you have a calf injury. Right. Bad. But That's interesting. But he wasn't wearing the boot today at practice. He didn't practice. He was just kind of on the sidelines. But the reports were that he was walking very gingerly. So I don't think he's going to be... <laughs> Tammy laughing because I say gingerly. Uh, I don't think... <laughs> I don't think that... Uh, he's going to be able to play. And that's something that Montreal, they might be able to game plan for because he's that guy on short yardage. Who's all over the field, all over the field. Exactly. So I think that the injuries coming in that Winnipeg is dealing with and the complete lack of injuries that Montreal is dealing with, that is, that could be a factor. Yeah, you said Dembski didn't practice. He did play last week. Bailey yeah. didn't practice. He did play last week, too. Um, Kyrie this Wilson, the, yeah. who came in <laughs> to kind of rotate in with Big Hill out, he didn't practice. And Jackson Jeffco didn't practice. He's been dealing with a hip issue, I think, for most of the season. Um, and he'll probably be out there. But you, you look at the Alouettes and... <laughs> They, Everyone they have. They can go any way they want. Um, Ellingson didn't get into the lineup last week, but he's he's practicing. Uh, Kayon Julian Grant, the big yak, the big Canadian receiver. And I thought earlier in the year was very valuable to the Montreal offense. Since yeah. then, has been dealing with injuries. And I think that it's kind of coincided with... Austin Mack slowing down a little bit for the Alouettes as well. His 
rocket start as a rookie in the CFL. If Julian Grant gets back onto the field, he can work up uh, the middle with uh, Big Hill out. They can. Uh, this is all that, easier said than done, though. Yeah, that's that's another thing, though. Big Hill out, not guarding the middle there. That is exactly where Montreal offense needs to be going. They, they might need to be hitting the short, the short crossing routes. That's that is the game plan. Like, mm-hmm. so that's huge. The, the crazy thing is almost every stat that we measure, <laughs> the Bombers are in the top third of the league. In passing yards, they're second to BC. In passing yards against, they're first. Rushing yards against, third. Rushing yards for, first. They're first in points for, points allowed, both these teams are pretty good at protecting the football. Uh, they're both in the positives, especially since Montreal had a plus eight last game alone. Now, I don't think they're going to force Winnipeg to turn the ball over nine times. If they do that, then, hey, Cody's been there before uh, where his team has forced you know, five or six turnovers and still lost the game. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I don't think they're going to repeat that uh, as what they did against Toronto. But the big one here, I think the biggest difference here is what teams do on second down. Like the, the Bombers are far and above anyone. They're over 10% better than the Alouettes on second down. Can they have success on first down? Can they get William Stanback going and not just later in the game when he's in there to ice it, yeah. but wear down the bomber defense and get them into manageable second down situations and maybe try to prevent Winnipeg from having those, you know, dagger 11 play seven minute drives that just beat up a defense yeah i I, jason moss is gonna have them prepared i i don't know if you saw he had the whole team they got a picture with the the warplane that the team was named after like he just seems so fired up and so dialed in yeah dare i say he's very likable guy now (laughs) I, I'm a fan of what he brings to Montreal and to the CFL and the passion he brings. Um, and yeah. I, I, I think those Alouettes are going to be, they're going to embrace that underdog thing and say, hey, nobody believes in us, but we believe in us. Yeah, I, I've always liked Jason Moss, the the player. I thought he was, <laughs> I thought he was awesome. Uh I I honestly like like I just he was even when you did like, like him, it the was fire. funny, yeah yeah yeah. But when he was freaking out on the sidelines in Edmonton, like yeah, maybe you didn't <laughs> like that, but you loved it because it was just hilarious. <laughs> but he's, it's almost like he's done a one eighty. Like you can tell he still is as passionate as he ever was. But he's he's matured. He's learned to dial it in, and and he's a very like he's a very likable coach but he's not he's not the Craig Dickinson or like Harry Jones type of coach where he's a player's coach but he's going to coddle you he's like 
I, I want to run through a wall for this guy. And he, so he knows how to motivate his players, but he also holds his players accountable and he holds himself accountable. Like he's like, he's, he's redeemed himself as a coach. So, so much. Like I know I was excited when, when the Riders signed him as offensive coordinator. Uh, I kind of got less excited as that went along, but I, I don't know how much that was Craig, you know, telling him what to do or what, but as a head coach, he's, he seems to have got it. And, and he's, he's took this, this band of misfits and players that nobody wanted and turned them into what could be a championship team. So all the, all the props to him. This is this is pretty cool. So I, I'll bring up the picture that I'm referencing. Uh, Matthew Shinetti a couple days ago, uh, the team posed in front of a World War II Lancaster bomber. Uh, Jason Moss has emphasized the connection between the Owls and their fighter squadron namesake. It feels right, Moss said, about the team posing in the Hamilton Warplane Museum. And I, I just think that's cool and it just probably fires up the team you know to uh you know know what that name means and what they're representing and each other and i i think he's done a really good job obviously because they are the hottest team in the cfl seven wins in a row they were six and seven i guess seven weeks ago and now they're on a seven game heater going into the Grey Cup, playing their best football at the best time of the year. But Sheldon is the offense playing their best football at this time of the year. I don't think I can say that. No, that's that's the thing. They beat Toronto probably like they played three quarters of a perfect game. They special teams, dynamite. They had a special teams touchdown. Defense, dynamite. I guess mm-hmm. two thirds, not three quarters. Special er, defense, you know, they scored on defense. They had eight turnovers, but offensively, they, they, they struggled. They did find the end zone a couple times, but they struggled. If they're going to beat Winnipeg, they cannot struggle on offense because any time that you give Zach Caleros and those receivers and Brady Oliveira, you you just have to. You can't give them time. <laughs> like you have to force two and outs. You have to take the ball away. Um, if Winnipeg gets off to a slow start, you have to be able to capitalize. The that's that's the one thing they got fourteen points off turnovers. Fourteen points off of eight turnovers. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like they should have probably had thirty. You know. <laughs> yeah. Like so. So if they can, if they can they need to score touchdowns every time they get a turnover, because like you said, they'll be lucky if they get one or two in a, in a game with this much on the line with the veterans that, that Winnipeg has on their defense. And it's not like the weather looks really good. It's not like, I don't think weather's going to be a factor. So it doesn't look like you're going to have that slippery ball or anything like that. So we're just going to see the best offense going up against one of the best defenses and we're going to see what happens. Cody, Fajardo, Cody Fajardo has rushed for 100 yards in the playoffs. 
Yeah. Uh, maybe he's going to be forcing the Bombers to be looking for him uh, well, to, to yeah. take off. Yeah, and but he has to exercise that demon that is Zach Caleros. He's never beaten Zach Caleros as a starter. That's wild. So uh, he... And Cody is the type of guy who's going to, he's going to game out. He's going to do everything he can, but he puts so much pressure on himself as well. So mm-hmm. he has to, he has to find that balance of leaving it all out on the field, but not leaving it only up to him. He needs to use his weapons. He needs to, to get stand back involved early. He needs to find his receivers on the hot routes, the crossers, especially if Adam Big Hill's not playing. You know, I, I don't even know if we've given Winnipeg enough of their due for what they did against BC. And they're on a five-game winning streak right now. That's actually the best win streak they've had going into the Grey Cup over the past few years. Yeah. They held the Lions to 189 yards. They had nine sacks. They they forced five turnovers from the Lions as well. And at times this year, Cody Fajardo and the Alouettes have been very susceptible to the sack. <laughs> they can't let Winnipeg and Jefferson and all those boys live in the backfield. It's not going to spell good for them uh, no. on Sunday at all. But... And but you, we look back to the games earlier this year. Winnipeg beat Montreal seventeen three, and they also beat them. I think it was forty seven seventeen. So they've crushed them this year. And, and that game where they beat them forty whatever to seventeen, Montreal yeah. had two pick sixes. Yeah. So offensively, they've held them to like six points. Wow. Yeah, but I will say that Winnipeg's offense didn't play as great as they have against BC because yeah, that with all, again, like Montreal, with all those sacks with that, they still, they still only scored 24 points. Mm-hmm. Sergio Castillo missed two field goals. That's, he can't do that in the Grey Cup. You can't you can't leave points on the field anywhere. So, um, so it's interesting because I would say Montreal has a better defense than BC does, but Montreal doesn't have the offense that BC does. So, it's that balance. Where what are we going to see here? Um, but Cody Fajardo needs to play like the guy who replaced him in Ryderville. He needs to get the ball out of there in a second. He can't. The one knock that Cody's had is that he's not able to read a defense very well. And if even if that's the case, then you need to lock down your first read and it needs to be out of there. You, you can't take a three-step drop against Winnipeg and, and take success. You have to get the ball and you're, you're, you're connecting. So... I'm sure that Jason Moss is going to know that and have that ready for Cody, but we're going to have to see what happens because Cody under pressure, sometimes he thrives, but often he folds. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. Can't force it. Uh, Just take the play that's there and take the dribble kick. If it is second and 18 
three or four <laughs> times. Let's do it. Are we going to see it on the big stage, Sheldon? I hope so. I like, would I, love it so but no, much. I want the fake. More than the actual yeah, dribble yeah. kick, I want the fake. That's, <laughs> like, pretend to, to dribble it, then toss it back to Fajardo and hit, you know, Mac down the field for an 80-yard yeah. touchdown. Let's go. Now, the Alouettes have been called kind of the litmus test in the CFL. Look, up until last week, they hadn't beat anybody above 500, and they hadn't yeah. lost to anybody below 500. But the Argos beat them three times in a row and lost. Uh, the Bombers are eight-and-a-half-point favorites. The Argos were ten-and-a-half-point favorites. Uh, the over-under is set at 47. So the Bombers, while they're favorites, they're not the heavy favorites that Toronto was. So it's not, you know, a... Uh, unfamiliar position for the Alouettes. Although Sheldon, the horns have been banned from Tim Horton's field. You kidding me? There's going to be a lot of people who bitch on social media. Happy about that. I uh, was so close to getting a prime delivery to the hotel in Hamilton. (laughs) So I could be the horn guy. Yeah. I might show up to the banjo bowl with one of those things. (laughs) let's go (laughs) i can see the wheels turning (laughs) well i don't know if you know this but i usually go to banjo bowl on a bus yeah so if we could get (laughs) i might have to talk to the piffles (laughs) yeah we might have to talk to the piffles boys about that get a everyone who gets on the bus gets a horn embrace the horn man that's what i say but we're not going to be hearing it on gray cup (laughs) sunday (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we might hear a couple i think there's they'll probably think try so. to, to, I think still, so. to sneak them in there and then we'll we'll see if they actually enforce it or not they had them in toronto like maybe the first play or so and we're taken away so we'll, we'll see if they can get them into the, the great cup <laughs> that's the thing if people wear warm weather gear you can hide a lot of stuff and we'll we'll just say that it'll you can it'll keep you warm, uh, <laughs> and uh, keep your wallet intact if you uh, uh, take advantage of some of that winter clothing. But uh, I'm not going to say any more regarding that. Um, <laughs> we know both teams are going to be prepared. I don't think it's going to be a blowout. Um, no. It's going to be a fun game to watch on Sunday. So let's let's maybe lock in some predictions here. Now, there's going to be some people listening on the plane, you know, into Hamilton or driving into Hamilton or at work having FOMO like you, Sheldon, although you probably won't listen to this. And I don't blame you. I can't listen to my own voice either. My wife would disagree. But uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's uh, do the CFL awards that are happening in Niagara Falls. Now, I'm going to go to Niagara Falls. I won't be going to the CFL awards ceremony, but I bought tickets for Shaggy today. Ooh, that's a good choice. That is a good choice. We saw Shaggy about 10 years ago in Saskatoon. Yeah. I loved it. Mr. Lava Lava. Man. Mr. Lava Lava. (laughs) Girl. That Hot Shot album, I think it's 20 years old now. That one got some serious play on my Sony Walkman, brother. 
Man, one of the first CDs I ever had was like Much Dance. Or no, no, it was Now. I'm pretty sure it was Now. Okay, okay. The first Now. And it had Boombastic on it. Oh, Mr. And... Boombastic, you kidding me? Uh, take me back. <laughs> take me back to to compilation CDs. I know, now I just have Spotify and I can do whatever I want, but man, I, I'm stoked that you're going to Shaggy. That's awesome. I used to uh well, Tammy I, is stoked as well. I used to drive this minivan and I didn't have a CD player. So <laughs> I got the tape adapter, the yep. CD Walkman. Yep. Girl, you're my angel, my angel, baby. Just cruising down the four in that Lloyd Minster, Saskatchewan slash Alberta. The it wasn't me. Uncool guy <laughs> in all of the border city. Okay, see you, fellow words. Uh, MOP, Chad Kelly or Brady Oliveira. This is really interesting now. Uh, and I, like you said, I think the voting was done before the division finals. But uh, I think they're going to give it to Kelly. Yep. Kelly's going to get it, and I think he's going to give a heck of a speech. Calero gonna... said 10, pass, 10 more passing touchdowns than him. I think Oliveira was more dominant as a running back in his position than, ah, oh, but I think he's going to get it. It's, my heart heart says Brady. My head says Kelly. Not nine times out of 10, they're going to give it to the quarterback, right? It, it, it may not yeah. be fair, but that's the flashy position. And, uh, yeah, but, uh, yeah, I, I think if they would have voted after, I think Oliver would have got it. But again, you can't take away an award know, from somebody for one game. So And hey, he, he's an exciting player, an electric player. He can't let the East final diminish that, of course. Yeah. Uh, most outstanding defensive player. I think they're going to give it to Betts over a Darius Pickett of the Argos. Although Agreed. Pickett's yep. a heck of a player. I think, yeah. yeah if Brady, he's not going to get the MOP, so he'll get the MOC, although Marc-Antoine Decois had a uh, remarkable season for the Alouettes. The offensive lineman, Hardrick or Allen, I think they're going to give it to Hardrick. Yeah, I think Hardrick. Like he gets, he, he's going to get some credit for Brady Oliveira's success there. Most outstanding special teams player, Sean White or Javon Leak. Now, the steady kicker, one of the greatest seasons in CFL history, or the flashy return guy setting the Argos club record for most return touchdowns. This is, I think, I think they'll give it to Leak, but yeah. I am, wouldn't be surprised if White gets it. I think White, this is this is the same as Kelly and, and Oliveira, I think, for me. I think... I think right. White should win, but he's not flashy. He's just a kicker. He's doing he's doing what kickers are supposed to do. And 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 Leak had a very outstanding season. When you can have a better season than Pinball Clemens, I think you, I think you're gonna walk away with some hardware. Most outstanding rookie Kai Gray of the Elks or Quantes Stiggers of the Argos. I think they're going to give it to Stiggers. Mm-hmm. Coach of the Year, O'Shea or Dinwiddie. I think they're going to give it to Dinwiddie. I think so too. And I think he yeah. deserves it. Yeah. 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 He had a great year keeping that group together. And uh, they really were a great, great team, man. 
They yeah. they they were phenomenal. Sixteen and two. Nobody can take that away from the Argos. MOP slash MOC of the Grey Cup game itself, Sheldon. I I think Brady Oliveira gets both. Hmm. Interesting. I picked players from each team that I think will win if they win, like if their team wins. So, so I think for the most outstanding player, it's going to either be Zach or Willie Jefferson. Depends on how the game goes. I would love to see a defender get it. Yeah. For the Owls, I think it's Sankey or maybe Cody. If if the if if Montreal wins, I think Cody's going to have to have a pretty much flawless game. So he'll probably deserve it if they win. But if it's a defensive struggle and they squeak it out, then Sankey. That's that's my thoughts for that yeah, one. For I'd Canadian like to see though, Antoine Ducroix could. Hey, yeah. if he steals one from Zach, he might get the award for sure. Yeah. Decois or Cody are good picks, I think, out of Montreal for sure. Yeah, and then for Canadian, I think it's Decois. I think if if the Alouettes win, it's Decois no matter what. And I think if the Bombers win, it's Oliveira no matter what. I think those are the pretty much the only two options, to, really. Green Day playing the halftime show. They're a band that has a lot of short songs, man. They could fit like nine or ten into a halftime show. What are you hoping to hear? Well, I was talking with Tammy about this earlier. So I have my picks and I have her picks. So I'm going to do her picks first. So she thinks they're going to play Basket Case. And they have a new single out. So she thinks they're going to throw that in there. I can't remember what it's called. That's a good and pick. Then, That's a yeah, good pick. And- and then good riddance and when I come around. Those are the ones and I I completely forgot about when I come around. So I'm I'm pretty upset at myself for that. So I didn't have that on my list. I That's have no probably... idea if they do this, but I would like to see American Idiot change the Canadian idiot with a cameo from Weird Al Yankovic. That would make my great cup. If so that great happens, cup. Travis, I would murder you for you being able to see that. Literally. Could you imagine the riff starts and Weird Al comes out? Don't want to be a Canadian idiot. Don't want to be some beer swilling hockey nut. I would. Randy, I might retire to talk. Look, Green Day has some stuff to promote. Weird Al wants to promote Weird coming out on Blu ray and DVD early December. Look, it's a match made in heaven. (laughs) Just made it so that I'm going to be disappointed when it doesn't happen, you bastard. I look, I, I got myself all fired up for uh, yeah. for that now. <laughs> now. Let me get to my picks now. Okay. <laughs> I'm important too, you know. Uh I think they're starting off with Welcome to Paradise, because I think that's okay. just a that's a good song. And then they're gonna go into American Idiot and it's not gonna be with Weird Al, because I'm not giving you that. Then it's gonna go into Basket Case. Then it's gonna go into Know Your Enemy. Because that's a good football song. Hey, that would be a good song. That's a good choice. Then they'll finish off with good riddance. And then... But but you're right. They I, I just hope that there's like seven or eight or ten songs that they yeah, just medley yeah. through it. Because that's, yeah. that's, that's what you want. Bring the like, energy. Bring the heat. Yeah. Because like I think when Fall Out Boy did it in Winnipeg there, they, they threw like all of their hits into what they could do. So kind of the similar thing is what I'm hoping here. But now, 
Monster Show is too. Monster Truck is playing the uh, block party pregame, so I, I want to try to catch them. I like Go Monster for, Truck a lot. I love those guys. Uh, I actually got to play against one of them in a game of PlayStation in my uh, radio career. He's a big NHL guy. Uh, takes the uh, you know the PlayStation on the road, and uh, I worked him in some you NHL. <laughs> Nice. I think he was so hungover from the night before. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I came in fresh as a daisy, ready to just work him in some NHL. But uh, hopefully you get to check out <laughs> those guys. Uh, again, shout out to the city of Hamilton for that uh, transit strike. Um, <laughs> Perfect time. I, look, I don't know if this is going to get figured out by game day, but I'm not looking forward to game day. The there was a big mess waiting for there is every gray cup waiting for taxis and Ubers and everything after a game, but the public transit system takes off some of the pressure. Without that, oh, I just think gray cup Sunday is going to be <laughs> uh, fun, and I don't know when I'm going to get back to the hotel to record the post game show with you, Sheldon. But uh, I I might have to do a phone call with you. <laughs> we'll figure it out we're here the 110th gray cup in hamilton ontario well i'm here and i got some chinese food that's getting cold so i'm gonna go eat that uh, right now you can leave a comment i know andre the big fan of the uh, montreal alouettes watching two and out he's nervous and i I really hope that i run into some uh uh, the lay man in uh (laughs) In in the hammer, like, I still think that's one of the greatest things. A bunch of John Bowman jerseys with pins. Oh, it doesn't get much better than that. So I hope to see my good friends that I get to see sometimes only once a year at uh, the Grand National Drunk in Hamilton, Ontario. What are you going to yeah, say? Without making our picks there, bud. Oh. <laughs> I'm locking in the bombers. You? Yeah, it's going to be the best. <laughs> I, I wouldn't be shocked if the Owls win. Although... The, the hot hand can beat the better team yeah, yeah. often. So, yeah, yeah I, I think it was interesting seeing the CFL writers like split 50-50. Wow. I thought it would be... Yeah, I thought it would be a little bit more... Like, I thought one of them might take a flyer on it. But interestingly enough, Jamie Nye and Christina Constable... Those were the top two people, and they both took Montreal. Did O'Leary take Montreal? I think he takes them every week, no matter what. (laughs) I assume he did, yes. Yes, but I can't remember the third person. But, yeah, no, I think it's going to be the Bombers. Listen, it's Grey Cup. You got Green Day rocking out. We just want a good game. If I'm sitting on my couch while you get to be having fun in Hamilton, just give me a good game. So it's a bittersweet week, man. Like, yeah. And I know that we got Christmas to look forward to. At least I look forward to it. But yeah. uh, once the Great Cup's over, it's like, oh. Yep. Now what? Yeah. Well, but I don't have to podcast and uh, edit until 6 a.m. anymore. So that's a positive, too. <laughs> Unless. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> 
You can rate, review, and subscribe uh, to tune out on your favorite podcatcher. I will accept free beers wherever you see me in Hamilton. <laughs> and I will consider that uh, a Patreon subscription if you buy me a free beer. Um, well, they're not free. They're free from me. <laughs> free 99. Uh, that's my cheap plug for myself but uh, you can support the show on patreon as well and yeah get on the youtube channel subscribe leave a comment there as well yeah i'm finally gonna go eat the chinese food and uh, we'll talk to you sunday after the game and we hope to have the show out uh for monday when you're traveling away from the great cup and you're back at work dealing with those great cup hangovers thanks for listening to two it out enjoy great cup 110. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter. 